the Growth Happens Dawn to Dusk podcast with Matt Devitt. He talks with people about their journey, where they succeeded and failed to help others on their quest. We're all on a journey that starts and ends every day. This is when we grow between dawn and dusk. And now your host, Matt Devitt. Hey, how's it going out there? Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to another edition of the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. I have an awesome guest, good friend of mine, Jacob Hunt, who's on the show today. And we are going to talk about a lot of ranging issues in a very short period of time. So I caught up with Jacob while he was driving. And we talked about how he's an instructor for concealed carry, um, how he got into that, which is pretty interesting in and of itself. His thoughts on why he started and ended a podcast, which was, I found it pretty interesting. And an interesting kind of a rabbit hole, I guess we go down with regards to having discussions with people and why it's so hard nowadays to really get into that, that nitty gritty, that uncomfortable kind of period where you sometimes need to get to in order to get that idea to really take shape. So awesome podcast with Jacob. Definitely want to thank him for his time. And if you guys are enjoying this, please leave a comment, a like, five-star review, however you're viewing this. I'm trying to get it out to more distribution sites. So right now we're on podcast, we're on Spotify, uh, Pippa, uh, their native page. We got that going as well. And I'm looking to push it out to Stitcher and a couple of others. So any uh, insight you guys can give me will definitely be appreciated. And you can follow me on the social media sites all over the place mostly under Matt Devitt or Devitt Matt, one of those combinations. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. So anyways, without further ado, Jacob Hunt. So Jacob Hunt, thank you very much for being on the show. Appreciate you uh, taking up my invitation to come and just talk about uh, pretty much whatever we want to talk about on your drive down to Lexington. So thanks for the time. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. No problem. So uh, let's see here. So we've worked together in one of my many jobs I've had in my very short and what I feel is illustrious career and wanted to reach back out to you. You're an interesting guy, uh, Marine. Uh, well, previously a Marine, but I believe once a Marine, all, always a Marine, as, as I've been told. Um, you do concealed carry teaching. You do, um, what is it, perimeter gas testing right now? for uh, uh, manufacturing yeah. facilities? Yeah, yeah I, work, uh, I work at an environmental monitoring uh, uh, company. So we, we, provide, we provide the tools that uh, industry needs to uh, maintain their compliance with federal and state and local regulation for the environment. Right on. That's a fun job and a very nice elevator pitch. That feels like that's been polished a couple of times. That was very well put together. <laughs> Well, people, you know, and, and you're from a similar industry, and like you said, we work together. When people ask you what you do for a living, it's like, okay, do I want to go through the 40-minute uh, explanation that they're going to zone out in 30 seconds later, uh, or uh, can I just, you know, boil it down to, you know, in a way that most people understand, and that's, that's I've tuned that up. Uh, for that. So if it sounds like an elevator pitch, that's kind of what it is. I completely agree. I mean, I've been on 
planes and airports where people go. So what do you, you know, once they find out I'm an engineer, they're like, well, what do you do? What do you work on? And I have the same feeling in my head. Like one side wants to be like, hey, you want to learn about a bag house and, you know, filtration and blah, 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 blah. And the other side of me just basically says, I work with heavy industry to keep the air clean for the communities they work in and just leave it at that. (laughs) It just, you you know, and I kind of let them decide, you know, do you really want to peel that onion and and get into it? Or were we just, you know, as Tyler Durden would say, are we just single serving friends on this flight? And that's about all we need to talk about. So it's funny when I worked in market research data way back in the, in the olden days, I worked for the Nielsen company and my dad, one time I was sitting, I was sitting in a living room with my dad, short story here. And he, he said, so what exactly do you do? And I started ta- telling him about UPCs and about sales, you know, collection at the register and register tapes and all this stuff about Nielsen data. And he literally fell asleep while I was telling him what I did for a living, my own dad. So I said, you know what? I got to figure out a way to explain this ridiculously, you know, absurdly complex thing that I do in a simple way that doesn't make people literally fall asleep in front of my face. And that served me well because now I can do it in this industry too. When, uh, so when your dad was uh, sawing logs as you were going into your, uh, you know, what you're pouring your heart into, did at any point when you saw him sleeping, did you kind of take a step back and go, do I, am I, should I really be as excited as I am about this job? <laughs> <laughs> you were the, the Friends episode they were trying to do like almost like charades or like a game show quiz thing. Uh, and they asked what Chandler did for a living. And they said he was a transponster because they couldn't figure out exactly what he did. And that's what I did when I was at Nielsen. And, and when I saw that, I was like, that's perfect. No one has any idea what I do for a living. And, I'm going to put them all to sleep if I try to explain it. So I have to figure out some kind of way to do that. And yeah, and the whole time, you know, when I worked for them, I knew in, in my heart, you know, I was just out of the Marine Corps and I knew in my heart, I said, if I have to sit here and just page through Excel spreadsheets 10 hours a day for the next 40 years of my life, that something's got to give. And yeah, so no, I totally understood why he fell asleep. Yeah, it was, I guess it, it was a uh, almost, uh, uh, not really almost, but it was definitely kind of a vote towards, yeah, I probably should find something else to, to do, you know, deep down inside. Absolutely. It was that, like, oh, that silent vote that he gave you of, <laughs> do you really want to do this the rest of your life? You know, it's a confirmation, yeah. I guess. I don't get it. Yeah. That's no, funny. So, and the other, uh, other point I wanted to bring up, though, uh, we were getting into this before we started the call, but uh, I was going to say you were a podcaster, but sounds like that's been uh, retired for a little bit, um, just because kind of like we were talking about, you know, you were enjoying talking about current events and politics and things like that until it right. seems like it just kept following you home with, you know, friends and family that didn't want to let topics die. And so you kind of, you just hung it up, which I don't blame you. Yeah, it, it's well, the environment is 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 so sensitive. And that's kind of the, the reason why I wanted to do the podcast in the first place. So a, a friend of mine from when I start, when I got when I moved from market research into advertising, uh, a friend of mine, she's an African-American woman 
we would always somehow, she worked at, at the first agency that I went to, advertising agency, we would always somehow end up talking, and sometimes arguing, but always in a friendly way about whatever the current event was, especially when it came to uh, race, gender, that kind of stuff. So time time went on and on and on, and, 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 and I left the industry, and I was on my way to work one day, and I said, you know what, I should start a podcast with Kristen, and we could just have those same conversations, but, but you know, put them out into the world. And we did, we actually did a few podcasts that I didn't publish because the, the, the conversation just went to this place where it just was so uncomfortable and uh, almost argumentative. And we were like scowling at each other across the desk. And like, this is not what I wanted this to be. And, and when it went, when the ones that did go out, you know, when I was getting feedback from them, I was like, this is the wrong, this is not what I wanted. I did not want this to be fuel for the fire, the idea, you know, politics and current events. The idea of this was two people from completely different perspectives to, to find some common ground. And when we did the lighthearted stuff, it was great. I mean, I was in tears laughing. And, and those are the ones that were published. And you can still find them at uh, Position of Ignorance anywhere you go to to look for podcasts. But serious stuff and the stuff that I was really most interested in, we couldn't even put it out because it was just it, it got ridiculous. And then it was following me home, and I'm and I'm supposed to be doing my work. I'm supposed to be enjoying time with my kids or going to sports things. And the whole time, my brain is just churning like re-arguing the argument. Oh, I should have said this. And she she said this, but I know she really meant that. And it, it just got ugly. And the same thing happened on my personal Facebook page. I had to pull the plug on on any kind of serious discussion there as well because it's so polarized and it's so, it's just gross. And like, I feel like I want to take a shower just talking about it right now. And so I pulled the plug there too. Um, and yeah, so, so there are some, uh, uh, it's called a, a position of ignorance, find it on Stitcher, uh, and find it on Podbean. It's out there. You can listen to the, to the ones that I thought were great and fun and you can put online, but the real heavy duty stuff, you're not going to find it. Uh, with the exception of, uh, sexual assault or sexual harassment. And that one uh, was kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, so it's so out you're, there. I just don't so do it anymore. Right. So your so your co-host, uh, Kristen, I think you said her name was. Um, yep. Are you still friends? I mean, is that a still a, a good relationship? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, um, uh, I, I, I talked to her and, and you know, she said, you're breaking up with me. And I said, I am, but you, you know, if you want to continue this with, with another co-host, please, you know, be my guest. And I really wish she would, um, because I think that, I think the premise has merit. It's just, I, maybe I'm just not the guy. And another mm -hmm. reason is that with my kids, uh, I have two boys and they are in the sports mode, uh, the kind of time of their life. And I, I literally just don't have time for it. And, I, you know, and, and I wish I wish Kristen the best. We're still friends. 
we still argue on Facebook Messenger when something <laughs> when something comes up, and we have great conversations. I learn something, she pretends to learn something, and it goes right back to where she started. Uh, but um, no, we Kristen and I are definitely still uh, still friends. So, in kind of looking at the the relationships that 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 is there, what what do you think that made it between you two? So, if we kind of talk about generalities as far as people having let's well not we'll call it what it is constructive discourse over a topic in a way yep. or maybe just hilarious agreement and you know going down the rabbit hole to see who can make the other person laugh more um right. but what do you what was it about you too like what were some of the general things that way back in the day when you were working in marketing that you know kind of brought this about between the two of you as kind of like universal truths like in the in the sense of okay when i see people with said personality i'm pretty sure we can have an open honest discourse where we can hold opposite and opposing views you know but still you know wave at each other the next time we see you know the person pass by and yeah. no hard feelings that that's it's tough and it's rare and that that's one of the reasons why i thought that Kristen and i could actually do this together um she would she was a kind of did reception work, but she would be sitting at the big desk and she would just be spouting an opinion to someone who was, you know, someone else in the place, someone who agreed with her. And I would just come up and kind of make like a little flip remark or something like that. And she would say, oh, no, you just didn't say that. And we'd all laugh. And then it kind of just, it kind of rolled from there. And whenever something would come up, I remember um, students uh, students at UC Berkeley. There was like a, a, a caucus of uh, uh, they called themselves uh, Black something something. I don't really remember what it was, but African American students at Berkeley, I think it was Berkeley. They decided to self segregate. They wanted Black only dorms. They wanted black-only common areas. They wanted, you know, black-only this and that. And, you know, at the time, I really didn't hold back too much. So, so uh, I went on. I went on Facebook and I posted a link to it to the article. And I said, you know, old George Wallace is grinning ear to ear right now because we have segregation now, segregation forever. And she responded. You know, I understand what you're saying, but I get it. And then we jumped over to Messenger, and I said, I just thought, you know what? I got to know. I got to know what you get about segregating races on a college campus. And it just went from there. And, and But the, the, the key to the whole thing, I think, more to answer your question, the key to the whole thing was keep a good humor and – be respectful, and that's the that's the big one. You have to find two people who are uh, competent in their point of view and who are willing to engage in the conversation, but not let the conversation devolve into name calling and shouting and being ridiculous. And that was always the thing. We always respected one another's opinion, even though, you know, in my mind. She couldn't be any more wrong, and and vice versa, and that was that was the key to it. 
don't know how you um, instill that in others. And, and social media just makes it so much worse because people are uh, relatively anonymous. You know, I always said that, you know, if you had to say the things you said on social media when you're looking in someone's eye, you, you would probably change your tone quite a bit. So go from that into let's do a podcast where we literally sit across from each other at the table have to look each other in the face while we're talking about these controversial things, it's a whole different animal than doing it online. I hope that answers your question. No, that was, that was, yeah. I mean, that's right on top, on topic from my standpoint. I mean, you know, it, it really comes down to, like you said, being, you know, like confident in the knowledge, but also a lot of trust within the two people that, you know, you can literally yeah. push the other person's button because you right. want to, in a way, if you're doing it respectfully, what you're really doing is you're not trying to push the person's button to, to anger them. What you're doing is you're trying to poke at a perspective that you don't have. And you're trying to exactly. like basically, you know, just needle at it going, okay, what am I missing? Like, I, I, I hear right. what you're saying, but I, I cannot <laughs> see that perspective so maybe i need to ask the question this way or that way and so that can feel combative um but like you said done respectfully done where um there's trust in the fact that we're going to wade into some uncharted waters but we're okay we're not going to go too far um yeah i mean that can, that can lead to a lot of insight some of that we set up intentionally with the podcast when i first brought up the podcast idea I think she thought or like it was going to be like crossfire. Like we're going to argue with each other, like argue, argue with each other. And I said, let's, let's do this. Let's intentionally set out from the start with wide, like wide open. Like, so, you know, one of the first episodes we did was ask my black friend and it was, it was, I'm going to ask you things that I've always wondered about black culture but I was always hesitant or, or, you know, some kind of reserved to ask. Uh, I didn't really have anybody to ask. And you tell me if I'm ridiculous, but let's go for it. And we just, we did that. Wide open discussion was great until we got with the lighthearted things. The more controversial things were, were more difficult, as you would expect. But I think setting the table is important. Say, you know what? I want I want to know and, and I want my mind to be open enough to learn something. So if you go into the conversation saying, I want to change your mind, it's different than going into the conversation and saying, like you said, there's something I may be missing here. Help me fill in the blanks. And then, you know, you could present your side and I can tell you where that really doesn't compute with me. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm not here just to ram my point of view down your throat. I'm here to listen as much as I am to talk. Yep. Yeah, and that's, and, I mean, and, the, the discourse that happens then is... Like sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I just said I dare you to go on Twitter and find it. Find that, find that kind of, or even on Facebook now, you know, find that kind of willingness to say, you know what, I didn't... I didn't see it that way. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a really true point. And, and uh, I don't want to keep hammering the, the political kind of thing, um, only because I, I know yeah. you have so much more that we can talk about. But 
But to your point, sure. um, what I've noticed in doing some of these podcasts is the the reason I think so many people, I don't want to say so many, but I, I think the reason you don't see it in other platforms is because it takes work, right? I mean, you have to mentally be flexible enough to do it, but more importantly, you got to have the time. I mean, you know, when do you yeah. really have the time to set down for 30 minutes. I mean, look at the the general news outlets today. I mean, it's it's soundbite yeah. after soundbite. I mean, nobody really gets to dig in, set in the silence, mull over an idea, right. and then reply. You know, it's it's at a much faster rate, and so I think just reactions are what you get for answers, and not really yeah. you know thoughtful prose. But right. no, what I mean that's I'm... it's. Go ahead. What I see a lot of is, especially like on Twitter, people will, will see a comment on Twitter. They'll go to the person's Twitter bio, get all of the information they think they need to know about that person, so put them in their little box, and then look at the comment through that perspective and then respond with whatever the canned response should be to a person like that. So if you see a person who calls himself a conservative, Boom, you already know what they think, you already know what they feel, you already know everything you need to know about their life experience, so you have your little uh, your little quiver full of uh, replies, and you're just going to shoot one over, and they do the same thing to you, you know, they look at you and they say, oh, not you, Matt, but you, you know, other person on Twitter, they right. say, oh, this person, this person, you know, you know, is a, is a big fan of Barack Obama, so I already know everything there is to know about them, and this is where their point of view comes from. So I've got a ready-made jab to shoot back at them. And that and that's what's happening now. Because like you said, there's no time to sit down and learn a person. We have these nice little boxes that we can put everybody in now in the political sphere uh, that tells you everything you think you need to know about them. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, you know, from the from that actually working out that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so to switch things up a little bit, so Yeah. The concealed carry stuff, um, I think we were talking a little bit of back, and I, I remember you, you denoting there were some changes in the laws and stuff like that, but not really to yeah. go into the laws and the, and the technicalities, but like, so how did you get into instructing uh, within this, and, and what have you learned from being an instructor of people that are coming in who maybe have like a lot of knowledge or, or zero knowledge about firearms? Like what have you learned just in general about, you know, teaching those kind of classes? It's funny. So, so it, it, it's kind of my opener to every class. It's a spoiler alert. If you're going to take my class, you're going to hear this word again. But <laughs> when I, I was in the Marines and, and, you know, I grew up, I grew up shooting guns and, you know, grandpa taking us out target shooting and all that kind of stuff. Like, like many Kentucky boys, uh, from Kentucky, uh, did and then uh, I went to the Marine Corps and I got to shoot all the cool stuff and I got to shoot machine guns and grenade launchers and 50 caliber you know machine guns that have been around since World War II and all that cool stuff uh, anti-tank weapons and all that and that was awesome but once I got out of the Marines I kind of I kind of set that aside honestly I kind of forgot I kind of forgot about guns it, it, you know it might be a silly way to put it but I did I just like you know it just wasn't at top of mind to go target shooting or anything like that. I was trying to build a career, got married, all that kind of stuff. Um, had a first kid. But then uh, my wife said, 
we need to start going to church again. Uh, we need to start going to church at all. She was raised Catholic. I was raised Southern Baptist. And we, we were looking for a church. So we found this church, and we went to this church for about a year, and we're still there now. This is, you know, 13, 14, almost years later. And the pastor came on uh, one Sunday morning, and he was talking about, you know, we got a big church. It's like a 1,000 people over three services. We need help. Um, we need people to serve on the church. So, you know, we need people to work in the nursery. We need people to help park, uh, help in parking in the morning and all that kind of stuff. And um, so he also mentioned a safety and security team. So I said, oh, that kind of piqued my interest because he said it was only open at the time to current and former retired military or law enforcement. So I said, okay, that's cool. So I applied to be on the on the safety and security team at the church, and I was accepted. Well, one of the things that they said was, oh, by the way, if you're going to be on this team, you have to have a concealed carry permit. So I got into concealed carry through my church, which is, you know, <laughs> it's, an unusual, it's an unusual way to get there. Uh, so a friend of mine from high school, she taught the course. I went to this course, a terrible course, the state course. Uh, but I went through it. I got my concealed carry permit. Now, about a year later, the Kentucky State Legislature said that, you know, if you submit a curriculum and we approve it, you don't have to go through this horrible, boring state course. You can teach your own course. So I got my instructor's credentials. I joined a, um, an association that had already had their um, curriculum approved, and I started teaching uh, their curriculum uh, in 2015. So this is going on my fourth year of being a concealed carry instructor. Um, what what I've learned to answer that part of your question, uh, I'm a car guy, you know that, mm -hmm. and I thought there was nothing that people think they know more about and don't than cars. And then I started teaching people how to shoot. And I can't tell you, I don't know what it is, but people think they know so much more than they know about guns, about how to handle guns, about the fundamentals of shooting, you know, and they were kind of like me, you know, granddaddy taught me how to shoot when I was six, so I know everything there is to know about guns. And that's that's been, that was number one, people think they know way more than they know about guns and shooting. Number two, the number of people who came to my course, and I'll never reveal their names, but it came to my course and said, I've been carrying my whole life. I finally just wanted to make it legal. So those are the, those are the two things that really surprised me the most, uh, being a concealed carry instructor. Yeah, I could definitely see the second one being far more eye-opening <laughs> than the, uh, than the first. I mean, you know, I mean, the, right. when I think about the first, I think about people who I hop in the car with and I'm like, you've had a license for how long? Um, right. you know, it exactly. really, I mean, you just, you're just, you're just going to parallel park. It's, it's, I know it'll take a couple, but it's not that terribly difficult. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Right, 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 right. No, that's, that's, that's definitely interesting. So if we talk about the way you, 
you know, the, the teaching the course and stuff like that. So you had the state course that was extremely dry and, and painful, as you stated. Yeah. What do you guys do within your course to make it, I don't, I don't want to say fun, okay. but at least more interactive and memorable of the important points? Okay. Well, let me, let me put it in perspective. So the state <laughs> course, is basically you would go in, you would sit down, they would put on DVDs of lawyers from the state who worked at the state house, and they would sit in front of a camera at their desk, and they would read a section of the law about deadly force. And then it would fade out, and it would fade back in, and there'd be a different lawyer at a different desk, and that lawyer would read a section of the law into the camera. And that was the bulk of concealed carry for a long, long time. So... Until they, until they, you know, and then you would do a short little um, uh, section on shooting fundamentals and a short little thing on uh, holsters, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you would go shoot your rounds at a range and, you know, a handful of rounds into a target, and that was it. And, and, and the course, you know, I, I, feel, I feel bad because my friend was the one who was teaching the course, and she did a great job of, administering the requirement but at the same time the course like she had no she had no hope because the course was just ridiculous so uh so when uh when the curriculum uh, requirements opened up to people who could you could uh, submit their own then we had some people who were real firearms enthusiasts and concealed carry guys like they, they, they call themselves sheep dogs and you know guys who and it's and it's almost all guys. There's a handful of women, but uh, it's almost all guys. Um, they started really getting into some genuine. What do you need to know to be an effective concealed carrier? And as long as it, you know, ticked the boxes on the requirements for the state. So the state said, you know, you had to have a written test, you had to have in-person training, um, you had to have a live fire thing, and you had to talk about cleaning uh, firearms because people tend to shoot themselves when they're cleaning firearms or shoot their wives is the joke I always say. More right. wives have been Fair. shot in the kitchen by a guy, quote, unquote, cleaning a firearm. Uh, so, so yeah, so we were I, – I, I, I wanted I, – I thought I could be a good instructor, but I just did not want to teach that state course. So when the state course came about, then I, I jumped in. I mean, when the when the – state allowed other curriculum to come in i jumped in right right the kind of a, a revised version of that do you think with having people that enjoy the trade or or have at least a more using mastery of the topic being taught do you think that's what makes the the biggest difference is a, is like you said you know they're excited but i mean it's pretty much the same content so do you think it has more to do with the people that are actually implementing it and how they're teaching it? That's, that's creating a more effective, I guess, in product. No, I, it, it's, it's not the same content, uh, in that, um, I don't teach the law. And I, I, the state requires that we give the students a copy of the law and they have to affirm that they've received a copy of the law when they go to apply for their actual permit. I don't teach the law because I'm not a lawyer, and I don't think the state really wants me to teach the law. They want me to 
as a competent person, as someone who is a certified instructor, to say, okay, this person knows which end of a firearm that the round comes out of, and they can they can safely handle a firearm. They know something about safely storing a firearm because most of my course is safe handling, safe storage, how to keep your hands or your kids' hands off a gun uh, or anybody else you don't want to have it. Uh, that's what most of my course is. And then shooting fundamentals, the state wants me to be able to certify that these people can hit a target more often than not, right? So it's pretty much just that. They know that the odds of someone getting into a deadly force situation where they're going to have to use a gun are very slim. So they just want some kind of confirmation that this person can handle a gun safely uh, before they get their permit. Now, just this, I think yesterday or today, the governor of Kentucky has signed what's called constitutional carry, and people don't have to take my course anymore to uh, carry concealed within the state lines of Kentucky. So we'll see what happens with my business there. But that was the idea going in. And if you want to carry in a in a reciprocal state outside of Kentucky, you still have to get the Kentucky permit. So gotcha. hopefully I'll be teaching people who care enough to be trained uh, and or people who want to carry outside of the state of Kentucky. No, it's, it's definitely interesting on how uh... – you know, basically the, you know, I agree. I mean, what you, what you really did is you tore it down and said, okay, what are the most important areas where something can go wrong? And then let's, let's yeah. basically put training in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, exactly. No, that, that seems like a great way that uh, at least it got reworked. Um, sounds like you got to your destination in your car. I'm here. <laughs> cool. Well then uh, I, I don't want to, I was to say, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I always want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, sure. But is there any, I don't really, I mean, don't have to end it, but because uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying talking to you. Actually, you know, we can always do like a part two, part three, and just continue this out in the future sometime. Um, I'm down for that. I'll, I'll just catch you when you're driving down to Alabama. We'll do like a six hour like, right. marathon. <laughs> we could do it because I have plenty of time for that. Yeah, exactly. So one of the last things that I, I, I'm, I'm trying to bring up and incorporate more into these conversations is, you know, the journey that people go through, so on and so forth, what they've learned. But do you have any habits? And we'll leave, we'll leave on, on this question. Um, but do you have any habits or things that you have found yourself doing that really add a lot of value to the output of your day? I mean, you, you pick whatever output means as far as uh, what's important to you. But do you see things that you do that are habitual and really help your, you know, your performance and output? Um, in general, it's um, I, I'm a firm believer in putting together uh, goals, short-term and long-term goals, and every day you know, whether it's in the morning or whether it's you know, on my way home, kind of gauging where I am as far am I doing something today that's going to lead me towards that long-term goal or even that short-term goal is what I'm going to do today or what I have done yet so far today moving me towards that goal or not and if the answer is no then it's time to re-examine what I'm prioritizing 
that is that's that's my thing. You have to have a set goal that has you know you write it down. It has uh, uh, achievable landmarks where you can say, okay, I got to do A, B, and C to get to D, and it has to have a a genuine time frame around it. Uh, you can't just say at some point I would like to you know whatever it is lose 30 pounds. Well, okay, I want to lose 30 pounds in six months, and what does that mean? How many hours in the gym do I have to do? between now and then, yada, yada, to get me there. So that's that's what I do. And constantly thinking about is what I'm doing right now going to get me to that goal or should I put this lower on a priority list? That's, that's as general as I can make it. But that, that's No, that's, that's awesome. That I, I mean, and, Something I try and, to do every day. Yeah, and I like it because, you know, when you explain it that way, I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the act – of pursuing the goal is what takes probably the most work but really what's even more important is evaluating where are you and yeah. you know what work do i need to put in at that time it's it's a great i had a conversation with somebody else about this where um you know how do you keep yourself out of the busy trap and stay productive yeah. because a lot of people if they don't realize it default to busy and they just call that yep. productive when it's it's really not. Um, so no, yeah. that, that's that's a definitely a great habit and takeaway um, to leave everybody with. So hey, I appreciate your time. I'm glad you got to your destination, um, you know, <laughs> safe and sound. And we will definitely pick this up sometime in the future to uh, do a little longer format or maybe some different topics and stuff like that. But Jacob, I appreciate the time. I'm I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to connect. Thank you, Matt. I'd love to do it. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, man. I hope everybody found that as interesting as I did. Jacob's a stand-up guy. Really enjoy talking with him and definitely plan on doing something like this again in the future. Maybe it's something we'll do in his long road trips that he has for work every so often. Again, if you like this show, leave a comment, a like, five stars, thumbs up, whatever it happens to be out in the interwebs. You can follow me on Instagram at DevitMatt. You can also follow me on Twitter under the same handle, as well as over on LinkedIn. Just look up Matt Devitt, D-E-V-I-T-T. And I will be putting out this on a couple of different platforms as soon as I can, just to see how that gets going. But once again, hope you guys are enjoying this. More episodes are going to be rolling out shortly. And just remember, growth happens between dawn and dusk. Take care. Mm-hmm.